Welcome to the industry show. I'm your host, Nitin Bajaj, and joining me today is Betsy Corcoran. Betsy, welcome on the show. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. It's our pleasure. So let's get started with who is Betsy? <sighs> that's, uh, that's a great question. Um, I'll give you a couple of adjectives that um, seem to work for me anyway. Uh, I'm a questioner. Uh, I hopefully am a listener. <laughs> and I like to think of myself also as a builder. So I've spent most of my life as a reporter. And that has been a great way of making sure I ask questions. And if I wasn't good enough at that, my kids help remind me that asking questions is a good thing. Um, but of course, it's great to ask questions, but it's also really, really crucial to listen and to listen to both what's said and to what's not said. Sometimes I think some of the most important stories that I wrote at the Washington Post were actually the ones I didn't write mm. because what's not said is sometimes equally valuable. And I'm a builder. I have loved building things. When I was a little kid, my father would take my brother and myself out to fields and we'd build rockets and all kinds of things. Uh, my brother is a fantastic builder of things. Uh, and I'm an aspiring builder of things. Um, but I had great fun building a company and uh, I have had great fun trying to build other things. So. I guess those would be three places I'd start to describe me. That's so awesome. And you know, when you said uh, you're a questioner, I think the questions we ask really determines the path we take in our life, right? And so that's, that's very meaningful. And uh, I love what you said about the stories that you didn't write were really the ones that stand out. So I know what you mean. Uh, Tell us, tell us about EdSurge. Sure. So uh, EdSurge, uh, we started EdSurge in 2011 as a media company devoted to the intersection of education and technology. Mm -hmm. At the time, uh, there's, you know, there's been technology in the classroom forever, right? I mean, you could argue a pencil is a piece of technology, but um, in the last 10 years, uh, you know, computer technology kind of came into the schools in full force. And uh, EdSurge uh, started right on the cusp of this big wave. And um, we really had the goal of um, asking questions, of trying to also help amplify the voices of educators, to encourage them to ask questions, let them push back. Um, the best product designers will tell you that they get insights from their users. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to be there to embolden educators to ask questions and to try to articulate what they really needed and what their learners really needed. And so the company that we built um, wrote stories. We have a great website and uh, we wrote lots of stories. Um, but we also published educators and entrepreneurs. About half of our stories were written by somebody else. Um, and that was awesome. And uh, we ran conferences to bring these people together, bring together entrepreneurs and educators, and again, trying to foster this conversation. 
and collected lots of, uh, you know, collected data about the industry, shared that out. Everything we had, we shared. And um, we ran a jobs board and um, developed, uh, you know, research projects and so forth. So it was really, we were trying to really explore this intersection of technology and education. And that was before COVID. And um, of course, uh, now we are all very aware of the intersection of education and technology. Um, EdSurge in the end of 2019, became part of ISTE, which is a wonderful association of educators who are devoted to using technology. And so now EdSurge is part of the ISTE family. That sounds like an awesome journey. Tell us at, you know, pick a point in time, if you will, uh, and tell us about the customers, the users, the scale of operations. Uh, and also, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little more about the challenges and opportunities as you went through that journey? Sure. Well, uh, again, we're a public website. And so our readers were really are kind of the people that we thought about every single day. Um, that started with educators, but it also included entrepreneurs. It included people who were investing in those entrepreneurs. Uh, it included government leaders, uh, thought leaders, people who were sort of in the ecosystem of education, foundations, everyone who was really trying to play a part in using technology to support learners and, um, and teachers. Uh, we started in focusing on the K-12 uh, students, younger students, and then over time we grew to include higher education and then ultimately lifelong learners. Uh, as well. And um, I think our, you know, in our, our most ambitious moments, we'd hoped that uh, we really were writing about learning for everybody because we are ultimately all lifelong learners. Um, and um, so really we were one of the few organizations I think that spoke with a great deal of credibility and authority to both the users and the builders of education technology. Can you give us a sense for how many people or how many constituents you may have touched through your website, through the content? <laughs> yeah, um, I can try. Uh, so, um, you know, when, uh, so EdSearch was kind of bootstrapped, you know, at the beginning right. um, and uh, the, we started as again, a single newsletter and I sent that to 50, five zero people that I knew and said, well, maybe you'd be interested in this. Um, we then published a newsletter every single week and continue to do so. So we've published more than 500 consecutive issues of Ed Surge every single week. Yes, there was that one week when we published on Friday at maybe eight o'clock in the evening, <laughs> but it was still technically the week. And uh, so uh, the team the team got a lot better at that when they weren't just relying on me. I think I was responsible for that 8 p.m. <laughs> that um, and, um, and by the time I, uh, well, you know, uh, by the time I left, you know, Ed Surge was really reaching hundreds of thousands of people with our newsletters. And uh, we had um, single digit millions of readers of the website every single year, unique readers of the website every single year. So, uh, and really internationally as well. We 
always felt that um, we were a little too small to do a brilliant job of covering um, the rest of the world that the United States was kind of enough to take on. Um, but um, it was really interesting. We actually had super strong readership um, in Europe, in China, India, of course, uh, Canada, and um, obviously Australia, New Zealand. And so um, it became kind of well-known internationally as well. So that was really gratifying. Yeah, it sounds like a truly global audience. Yeah, yeah. that was, is, still is. It is, yes. Uh, tell us what, what's the biggest challenge you faced, you know, as either as an educator or as an entrepreneur? <laughs> so, you know, Ed Surge, uh, first and foremost, is a media company. And media companies across the board are still struggling with what's the right business model to be a media company. Um, in the old days, 150 years ago, I think, when, you know, I got my start as a journalist, um, most in the days of the dinosaurs, or when we wrote these things out with quill pens and, you know, taped them to the legs of pigeons and sort of sent them off. Um, you know, in the old days, uh, media organizations had um, revenue from subscriptions and revenue from advertising. And the more readers you had, the happier your advertisers were. Now, the truth is we had absolutely no idea of how many people ever read the advertisements. There was no way of telling, you know, you hoped for the best and, um, you know, you did what you could. Well, fast forward and as media came into the, you know, world of the internet, mm -hmm. many, pretty much the most organizations lost subscription revenue in buckets. Mm -hmm. um, they, um, you know, advertising went to the web and then, of course, you know, was monetized at much lower rates than it had been in the days of glossy magazines. And uh, additional revenue streams, for example, when I was with the Washington Post, we relied a lot on uh, local ads, um, things that now are on Craigslist. Um, so all of media has struggled over the last really 30, 25 plus years with the question of how do you build a sustainable revenue stream in a world that seems awash with content um, where people feel like they can just go click on another link and find um, a story someplace else. Ed Surge did deliver um, as you know, fine media organizations try to, we thought we were delivering terrific content. Um, we looked for a number of different ways to uh, monetize that. So we ultimately did do some advertising, but we were always very, very careful uh, to keep our readers in mind, namely the educators. And so we, we were very careful. We chose to turn down some advertising um, if we felt that it was inappropriate and it was uh, at times. Uh, so we would turn down advertising. Um, we did what the media industry calls sponsored content, which is you work with a sponsor to kind of write an article that they feel good about. And I'll tell you, we edited the heck out of that stuff. And we forced the companies to be truthful and to be, you know, not just kind of flaunting their, their, um, their products, but to really try to lend value to that. 
And we did a lot of uh, research projects, um, some of which were funded by nonprofits, where we continued to uh, be responsible for the quality of the content. And then we would put that out on the internet and, um, you know, those ideas would kind of, you know, percolate in the ecosystem. Um, but it's a tough way to make a living, to be quite frank. And um, I think that all media organizations are still from, you know, newspapers on through magazines still struggling with how do we find a way to pay for high quality work? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, um, just trying to grab free content off the internet is not going to be a great experience for users, uh, for readers, and uh, it's not going to create great values. So um, I think that's a real struggle. And I think it's an ongoing struggle for everyone in media. What are the, you know, or the one big opportunity that someone like you, an educator, an entrepreneur, a media person can look at exploring or targeting? Um, you mean right now, sort of an opportunity out there? Well, we're in a, a kind of amazing moment for education technology. The uh, amount of interest, concern, um, and real attention that education technology products are getting is, uh, you know, I think it's got to be at an all-time peak. We've just gone through an entire year <laughs> of learning via computer. Yes. How crazy is that, right? And you know, so many of the products um, that we have asked students of all you know, ages to learn from were not built to be used by people sitting alone in their houses staring at their computer. They were not built to be used by people who were sharing computers with three other kids. They were not built to be used by someone who's only got a phone and that's it, yeah. right? And so there's this enormous, um, important need to think about where are we going to learn over the next few years. I don't think there's anyone who feels that the that we can that, that somehow there's going to be this magic moment and the pandemic is going to be done and we'll all go back to the way things were and we just forget about it. <laughs> um, we are going to use computers um, to do hybrid learning, yeah. you know, for now, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And so there's this incredible need and opportunity and, and um, uh, moment to really explore, to really say, great, okay, fine. So if we, if this is the environment in which our learners and our teachers are in, how do we build tools? How do we develop pedagogical approaches? How do we do this in a way where people really learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's a, it's a pretty astonishing moment to be in education technology. Indeed it is. Tell us about a moment or an experience, either from your professional life or at EdSearch specifically, or just even your personal uh, experience with a lesson learned or a success story that you're really proud of. success story that I'm, well, I am incredibly proud of what we built with EdSurge. Um, and I'm incredibly proud of the way that we built EdSurge. Mm -hmm. um, 
the people who worked for the company um, felt that it was a very special environment. And when we asked them why, um, they had a really interesting answer. You know, Silicon Valley likes to say, oh, it's great to fail. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it's really not fun to fail. Um, I think what they mean is it's important to be in a place where you can ask questions. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I was so intensely proud of, one of the things I was intensely proud of in EdSearch is people felt they could be authentically who they were. They felt that they could ask questions, that they didn't have to feel intimidated or pretend they understood something because someone was going to critique them or that they, um, you know, that they would be harangued or, or criticized if they admitted that they didn't know something. Mm -hmm. We are all learners and we really tried to live the life of a learning company, right? So I'm incredibly proud that the people there felt that, um, they could be their authentic selves. They could talk about their kids, which matters to everyone and matters to everyone in education. That's yeah. you know, a big part of why many of us go into education. Mm -hmm. And you know, we always said, you never have to pretend that you know, you're going to a meeting when in fact, you need to go pick up your kid because your kid is sick, sure. or you just need to be with your kid or your elder parent or maybe you just need to take a walk. Mm -hmm. um, you should, you know, you should feel free to share that and know that we're with you and we're behind you. And so um, that was one of the things that I was really proud of and it made people happy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that they expressed that happiness um, to many other teachers, many other people in the industry. And so I'm happy, I'm also proud of the fact that people could be very creative at EdSurge. Mm -hmm. um, people came up with sometimes crazy ideas, um, but they felt trusted and they felt they could do that. So we had people who did amazing things from our woman who ran our events who would come up with these astonishing, beautiful decors um, because nobody was asking her to explain what she was gonna do. We trusted that she could do it. And every time she surpassed our imagination. Um, we had people who invented a awards program for educators. And um, I remember one of the, the, the guys who got an award was a guy in LA who did filming with students. And he, when we gave him the prize, he said, you know, I've done this for 15 years. And this is the first time I've ever gotten an award. And it means the world to me because it means the world to the kids who've come through my program. So I don't know, there's a lot of things, but those are a few. Those are amazing stories. And I think, you know, we don't talk enough about these things. It's, I think just being able to be yourself around a group of people that you be with day in and out is, so underrated, but so extremely important. And I'm sure a lot of that plays into allowing people to take that initiative to go out and do those amazing, wonderful things that even they didn't know they were capable of. Right? So yeah, you should be extremely proud of that. So 
Thank you. Yeah. Let's let's switch gears now and talk about you a little more. Uh, and the way we want to do that is through a series of these one-line life lessons. So I would urge you to share some of those with us. Uh, okay. Um, I, I uh, tried to think of some life lessons for you and um, I'll offer you a couple. Um, one is you will get better at whatever you do frequently. So practice opening doors. And what I mean by that is if you, if you practice opening doors for other people, even for yourself, you get good at it. You can figure out how, how do I connect those people? How do I give that person a chance? How do I trust my instinct that this person has some amazing superpowers that they haven't discovered yet? So opening doors and practicing and doing that over and over and over, I think is a great way to improve your, you know, how much you can give to the world. It's amazing. Um, second um, is do the things that scare you the most. I love <laughs> because that. they will turn out to be amazing. Um, I left a very, very terrific job at Forbes Media to get into education. And when I left my job at Forbes, I wasn't really sure how I was gonna get into education. I wasn't in the field, I wasn't a teacher. And I wasn't um, sure what the right path was. Mm -hmm. um, my husband was um, very supportive and we agreed that I could have a year to learn about education. But it was really scary because I quit my job at a time when everybody else was trying to get a job that was just like the job I had. And I wasn't sure whether I would ever be a journalist again. I wasn't sure what it was going to, what I was going to do. So it really felt like jumping off the edge of a plane. And yet it was an amazing choice, an amazing decision. And every time I have done something that has just scared the bejesus out of me, it has turned into an astonishing and life-changing opportunity, sort of set of circumstances. I was afraid to have kids. That turned out pretty well. I like my kids. Um, the first time I went to India, mm -hmm. I was a little terrified. And it was an amazing experience. Um, so I've come to the belief that you should do the scary things. I love that. Um, a third lesson is an easy lesson. Mm -hmm. Exercise. <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> you're laughing, but we all want to exercise and most of us don't get around to it. And yet there is a relationship between our body and our minds and our spirits. And um, the happiest times in my life have been those times when I have had the opportunity, taken the opportunity to exercise, whether it's going for a walk or going for a swim or, you know, dancing or whatever you like. 
Um, unfortunately, every time my boys call me with a problem, there's a pause and they say, no, wait, you're going to tell me to go exercise, aren't you? <laughs> but uh, I think it actually does matter. So I would say go exercise. Um, and then I guess um, two last lessons, if you want them. Sure. One is to seek the company of learners and teachers, because then you will become both. You are the company you keep. Yes. And if you seek out the company of people who are great learners and great teachers, then I think you will have an opportunity to learn how to be both of those things and to practice those things over and over and over. Um, and then I guess the last lesson, which kind of is the same as all of these other lessons, but just maybe said a little differently, mm -hmm is lead with your heart, right? We only have one life. Yes. If you have the opportunity to do those things that you know that your heart is calling you to do, then do them. Do the scary thing and lead with your heart. Love them. Thank you so much, Betsy, for sharing these. These are words of wisdom, but these are also very personal experiences that you've been able to share with us. So really appreciate you doing that. Thank you once again for taking the time. And yeah. Thank ahead. you for being a great listener and your audience. Uh, and I look forward to continuing to learn from you and the stories of all of the people that you are talking with here. And hopefully the community of people who respond to those stories and continue to have the conversation online. So thanks. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye.